0: All is darkness, except for the afterglow of what he saw before he closed his eyes. Two throbbing specks of light. How beautiful they are. And in between the two there's a wisp of luminance, connecting them like a half-formed thought. He opens his eyes to let the light in again. For a moment, the entire canvas rears up at him, twice his height. He backs away until he's up against the wooden roof support, taking the whole thing in. Thirty-odd-night watchmen in a restless broil, each jabbing in a different direction. But wait. The lieutenant is about to pull them back into order with his call to march. He squints. The image blurs, letting him see what matters. Islands of ivory and a sea of dark. But the dark has teeth, forever gnawing at the light. He lets his lids part a little more. The brightest of the two islands is Lieutenant von Reitenberg's coat, and there's his visual echo, the girl with the dead chicken, hanging from her belt. She's a shade more buttery than him. His ivory calls out. Her light form answers, so satisfying to the eye, which loves a repetition. Attention is growing between them, taut as a string, waiting to be plucked. The corners of his mouth rise into a smile. The sound of a cough. A reminder. He dismisses it from his mind. The canvas is waiting. He opens his eyes fully, struck by the carmine dress of the musketeer. Red is such a pregnant colour, drawing attention by its deep tone alone. He is a choir master listening. Right beside the sonorous black of the captain's uniform soars the shining, bright lieutenant baritone and soprano, foils to one another, and all around the choir sing not with one voice but many, different coloured clothes, textures, characters and vigorous movements in all directions. And yet together they make a perfect harmony. It's just as he intended it. He's imagining the other group portraits that will hang alongside his, rows and rows of brightly lit heads, about as lifelike as playing cards. Another intrusion. She coughs again. But he needs to take care of the details now. The dark silhouette of the musket butt is similar to the shadow of the captain's hand. He makes them mimic one another. Same length, same angle. Adds a thumb-like hook to the butt. Now they chime together, resonant. He scours the picture for more. The carmine of the musketeer and the sash of the captain, both the same red the lieutenant's partisan and the captain's outstretched hand perfectly parallel. Now the picture hums and whispers like a colony of bees. Alive. More coughing. He listens harder to the bee choir. He won't be distracted. Looks for more enhancements. The coughing stops. He waits. Brush in hand. Unable to look at the painting any more, Straining to hear. Samuel... His assistant, a most promising pupil, seems oblivious to the pause, busy preparing lead white on the grinding stone. The boy is all limbs and yet so full of intent, so serious, at fifteen, just as he was. The lean-to is two stories high and shelters the enormous canvas and several ladders. Supported by a few columns, it is open to the yard, making the silence from her open window opposite undeniable. She coughs again, uncontrollably it seems. The boy looks up at him, his eyes urging him to go to her. So he puts down his palette and brushes, strides across the yard, into the corridor, through the entrance hall where he notices one of his paintings. He's walked past it a hundred times, but now he's caught by it, forgetting where he meant to go. It's her as Flora, wearing a red dress, her left hand resting on her bosom.